Thank you for joining us uh, this morning, Revenue Christian Fellowship, and uh, joining us on the website or on Facebook. And a special blessing to all the moms. Happy Mother's Day. And uh, today we're going to continue our study in the book of Ruth, and uh, we'll begin in chapter 3. Let's start with the word of prayer. Father, we come to you this morning to say thank you. We ask a blessing on all the moms and, and uh, just a special day for them. And then we ask, Lord, that you would be with us as we open your word through your Holy Spirit, open our hearts and our minds to receive from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we get to chapter 3, I'm going to need to back up just a little and, and review in, uh, a little bit from chapter 1 and chapter 2 to keep the continuity going. The, this is a narrative, it's a story. And everything is built on what's already happened. And so I want to go over a few key things that will tie us together as we go into chapter 3. The, the, the story starts out with a, a, a man by the name of Elimelech and his wife Naomi and their two sons leaving Israel because Israel is in a famine and going to Moab which is, uh, has been uh, an enemy of, of Israel for, for hundreds of years, really. And so going there was, in a sense, him pulling himself out from underneath God's covering and going on his own initiative to try to take care of his family. So he's coming out from underneath God's covering and going on his own initiative in, in Moab. And as a result, uh, leaving God behind, so to speak. And the two sons uh, going with them and, and his wife, Naomi. And while they were there, Elimelech passes away and leaves, obviously, Naomi, a widow. But she still has her two sons. And her two sons marry Moabite women. And that's also against Hebrew law. And as a result, they, it puts them into a negative position. And... Uh, the, the, then the sons die. And so leaving Naomi and their wives without any male covering or any male protection, which is leaving them, at, in a sense, uh, at the mercy of, of almost anything that's going on around them. And the only thing way for survival for them would be to work in the fields. And so uh, as they're working in the fields, Naomi finds out that Bethlehem and Israel has been blessed by God, that there's food there again, which means the famine is over. And she looks at it and thinks, well, I'll go back to Bethlehem. And she decides uh, to go and leave uh, or actually give uh, a release to her daughter-in-laws to go back to their own homes in Moab and rejoin their families. The one daughter does this, but the other daughter, Ruth, asks to stay with her. And I'm going to read what she said, uh, just so that you get the full gist of it. Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. That's extremely important there. Your God will be my God. It's a, a sense of confession you're, I'm going to follow after your God now. I'm becoming a part of uh, you know, what you believe. 
She's, in a sense, becoming a proselyte. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. So the two of them go off to Bethlehem. And as they go, uh, they uh, travel and get there and, and, and settle. And Naomi, when they get there, is, is de- it's determined. They're saying, who is this woman? Uh, Naomi. Uh, they said, is it Naomi? It was like they couldn't recognize her. And Naomi made this statement that she had left full but was returning empty. She left with a husband and, and two sons, and now she was coming back a widow and no sons. And so she'd left full, returned empty. And she's bitter. She's unhappy. She's sad. So that kind of concludes where we are with chapter chapter 1. Chapter 2, uh, it says that there, and it starts right out in verse 1. There's a, 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 it says, Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. Now, Hebrew narratives or Hebrew stories basically are characteristic. They will introduce a character, and then not, it has nothing to do with immediately what's going to happen next, but so that when he does come up in the, in the narrative, you'll know who he is. So we're just simply introducing uh, Boaz here. Uh, he was uh, a, a clan of Elimelech whose name was Boaz, and he was a worthy man. Extremely important to catch that, a worthy man. Now, in chapter 2, uh, Naomi or Ruth uh, asks Naomi if it's all right with her if she would go out into the fields and glean. Now, Ruth is a Moabite, which means she's going to have to get the favor of the overseer to do this. And she, so she makes comment to that. And apparently she's successful because she's in the field working and gleaning. And so as she gets near the fields and actually into the field of Boaz, Boaz shows up to inspect the fields and see how a harvest is going. Now, some people would say, what an odd coincidence. But God doesn't work on coincidences. God made every, I think God is in every step we take. And, and as a result, Boaz is right where he is supposed to be, and Ruth is right where she's supposed to be. And Boaz sees Ruth. Now, Ruth is not the typical widow. She's really young. And so he, he makes that comment. Whose young woman is this? And he's speaking to his overseer, and the overseer uh, makes comment, and I'll just read what he says. The servant who is in charge of the reapers answered, she is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. He says that in such a way as that that, that would be something that, Boaz should recognize the woman that came back, the Moabite girl that came back with Naomi. That's who she is. And she asked, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest, implying she's a hard worker. So she gained his favor, the overseer's favor. She's worked in the field and Boaz shows up. He sees Ruth and he wants to, you know, well, who is she? Um... Boaz speaks to Ruth. Now, normally, the, the owner of the fields doesn't have any interaction with those who are gleaning. 
he may speak to the reapers. In fact, uh, he, he does this. They say he gives them a blessing and they give him a blessing back. But he doesn't speak to the gleaners. But he speaks to Ruth. Listen. He says, Boy, I said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one. But keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink whatever the young men have drawn. And so basically what he's saying is stay in my fields. You are coming under, you'll come under my protection and you will be okay. You won't have to worry about anybody uh, coming up against you uh, in the sense of, 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 of any kind of injury or or any kind of, of attack of any kind that they might put on, on, a, on her. And so she's completely safe under his covering. And then later on in the, in the same day, they have their day or afternoon meal together. And uh, Boaz says to Ruth, hey, come over here and, and eat with me. And uh, he, again, uh, is, is showing her uh, special attention. Uh, and he gives her more than enough to eat. And then at the end of the day, he makes sure that through the, 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 the rest of the day that she is where she's gleaning, she is to glean where there's going to be excess. And if there's not excess, they're to pull a little, a little bit out of the sheaves. The workers are to pull a little bit out of the sheaves and leave it for her so that she will have a way more than what would be normal. And so she goes and and she leaves with what was basically almost 30 pounds of barley. And when she gets home, Naomi says, wow, where did you glean today? And she says, in the field of Boaz. And then Naomi says, whoa, this is interesting. Uh, Boaz is a close relative of ours. And Ruth explains all that went on and and and. Naomi's mind, I believe, starts working. Hmm, this is really interesting because Boaz is a special person in, in Elimelech's line. Uh, he's a redeemer. She doesn't say that out here, and, and it's not put here, but he's a redeemer. He's a person that comes back and restores family lineages. When a husband dies and there's a wife left behind, he will come and marry that wife, have children that will inherit the name of the one who died and continue the lineage. And so, Boaz is, is one of the people in, in the family of Elimelech that can do this. So, Naomi starts to think about how she might put this together uh, as a move towards protecting and, and providing for Ruth. And that's where we pick up in chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Ruth chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative, with whose young women you were? See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash, therefore, anoint yourself, and put on your cloak, and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he's finished eating and drinking. But then he lies down. Observe the place where he lies. Go and uncover his feet and lie down. 
and He will tell you what to do. And she replied, All that you say, I will do. Naomi's playing matchmaker here. Seeking rest means to seek security or safety for Ruth. To provide so that Ruth will be uh, taken care of for the rest of her life. She won't have to glean the fields anymore. She'll become uh, the wife of, of, in this case, Boaz, if this works out the way she wants it to. And uh, Boaz is a worthy man, highly respected man in their community. And so, uh, we look at this plan. Ruth uh, looks at the plan and, and she says Bo, uh, to, to Naomi, all that you say, I will do. I will do all of this. Now look at verses 6 through 13. So she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight, the man, Boaz, was startled and turned over, and behold, a woman was laying at his feet. He said, Who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. And he said, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first, in that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do, as, uh, do for you all that you have asked. For all of my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. It's interesting. He's a worthy man. Now he's saying, everybody knows you are a worthy woman. Again, somebody well respected in the community. And, and now it is true that I am a redeemer. Yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Nearer than I. Remain tonight. And in the morning, if he will redeem you, good, let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. She puts the plan into action that Naomi came up with. She follows Naomi's instructions almost to the letter, you might say. And at midnight, Boaz is startled and he wakes up and he says, Who is this woman at my feet? Who are you? Now, Ruth's answer isn't anything that we've heard that Naomi said to do. So we don't know whether she's ad-libbing here or whether this was something they had discussed. I'm kind of inclined to think that she's moving off on her own here and, and because they weren't expecting him to wake up in the middle of the night. That wasn't part of the plan. So... He wakes up, who are you? And, and she says, I'm Ruth. I'm your servant. And then she says, spread your wings. Now, your, your, some of your translations may say, uh, spread the corner of your garment. But it's literally translated to spread your wings. In fact, this is back, uh, goes back to uh, verse uh, 6 of chapter 1 where it's spoken of in reference to uh, Ruth. Uh, uh, let's see. I think I may have the wrong verse here. 
he's talking well he he speaks of her and he says that you have come to this to this land and you have spread your wings under our god you have come to our god for refuge and so what she's basically saying to him here is i am coming to you for refuge and so spread your wings let me let me find my refuge in you and uh it's quite a, a statement for her to, to, to be making. Uh, you know, spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. And when she adds, you are a redeemer, they already have, you know, Boaz knows who he is. He's, she's letting him know that she knows who he is. You are a redeemer. This is a rather bold and straightforward answer. I'm Ruth. I'm your servant, and I've come to rest in your covering, to find safety in your oversight. And then he said, you are a redeemer. And once she said, you are a redeemer, she's making a, a, a statement that is, it's not only I seek refuge under you, but you are a redeemer. Redeem me. And some of the commentators put it, simply put, she made an offer, a proposal of marriage. Marry me. Boaz understands what she's done, and he gives her a blessing. And then he says, he uses the term, my daughter. And he's used this already before in chapters 1 and 2, my daughter. And I, the reason why it's important that we note this is that that is a, uh, a picture of age separation. He's quite a bit older than her. And so he refers to her as my daughter, my young lady, my daughter. Your last kindness is greater than your first kindness. I'm thinking, okay, what's the first kindness? Your last kindness is greater than the first kindness. Well, the first kindness, I think, has to go back to Naomi. What she has done for Naomi. And so he's saying, what you've done for her was, was great, but what you're doing now is even greater from my eyes. And then he says, the, the last kindness being, you didn't go after young men. You did, the logical thing for a young woman who's been widowed would be to, to seek out young men. Obviously, you know, he said poor or rich here, but the, the better off, the, the, the better they would be. He says, you know, you didn't go after young men. And what's implied by that statement is, you went after me. A young woman. And, and, and the implication earlier in describing her is that she's beautiful. Young, beautiful woman. You have come after me. And he's receiving it in a sense of great flattery. And so he, he gives her this sense of encouragement. He says, now my daughter, Again, using that phrase, my daughter, my, my young woman, do not fear. I will do all you ask. What an amazing thing for him to say. You know, it's almost like he wasn't caught off guard with this. I don't, it, it, but he, he, he's happy about it. He's more than willing to become her redeemer. He says, I will do all you say. You are a worthy woman. And again, that term worthy. You are a righteous woman. You have a good reputation in the community. But 
and, and this, this but is a, is a large interference here. There's another ahead of me. If he says yes, now that you've opened the door, he redeems you. If he says no, I will redeem you. Remain tonight, and I will take care of this in the morning. So he's basically saying, I'm, I'm going to get this resolved tomorrow. Now, verse 14 is where we pick up your verses 14 through 18. So, Ruth lay at his feet until the morning, but arose before one could recognize another. And he said, let it, and, and, and this is Boaz saying to his, his overseer there, let it be, not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. I'm going to stop right there and because this is what kind of lends the innuendo for some people that there are some sexual connotations here and this type of thing. Uh, she lay at his feet. Where, where was she found? At his feet. Where is she laying now? At his feet. There was no intent for her to seduce him. And he did not receive it in that way in any, in any sense. He didn't say, oh, come and lay with me now. He says, no, return to where you were and, lay at your, and, and she laid at his feet. That's where she was when dawn comes. But she still left quietly to avoid any kind of, of, of suspicion. And I think, you know, it's very possible that she might have been doing that in a sense of defending him. But he turns and comes along and makes sure that the overseer makes no comment about this either to defend her. Nothing happened, but they were making sure that it was understood. And then after that exchange, you know, he, before she leaves, this is where we come up in, in, in verse 15. And Boaz said, bring the garment you are wearing and, and hold it out. So Ruth held it and he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her. Then she went into the city and when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, how did you fare, my daughter? Then she told her all that the man had done for her saying, These six measures of barley he gave to me. For he said to me, You must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. Then Naomi replies, Wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. She left at dawn, quietly, unnoticed, but before she leaves, Boaz gives to her this measure of barley. Six measures of barley. And six measures is, is considerably more than she gleaned out of the field in the first place, the first time. And so he actually says he helped her with it, to carry it. I think that you know she took her, her cloth or her shawl and, and, and he had to bring it back over, tie it behind her neck to hold as much as she had. It's likely what the, the situation was. And so it's a heavy load. She carries the grain. She goes back to Naomi. And Naomi says, how did you fare? Now, thinking in terms of Naomi, she set this whole thing up. How did you fare? And I, I, the way I put it in my notes was Ruth kind of, you know, let me tell you. Let me tell you all that happened. Because... Everything that Ruth or Naomi was wanting to happen, happened. 
plus the six measures of barley, which is a would be a lot to for them to have. It would last them a lengthy period of time. It would also allow them to go to market and sell it and have some uh, some income. So this was a substantial gift. And there's a, a phrase here where it says and, and that. Ruth is speaking. She says, Boaz said, I'm not to return to you empty-handed. And because of the way the phrasing is with this, and again, Hebrew narrative, a Hebrew story, it takes us back to chapter 1, verse 21, where she says, I have come here empty. I've returned home empty. I left full, but I've come back empty. The implication is things are starting to fill up again. It's a, it's a, a, a powerful picture and we, we would miss it uh, from the looking at it from a western point of view but when you look at it from the from the hebrew point of view and see this these words come up and be used again they would tie them together and say ruth is being uh, naomi is being restored so naomi says okay sit tight and Boaz will take care of all of this today. And the reason why she's saying that is because that's what he told her he would do. He's a worthy man. He'll take care of it. There is so much to, to <laughs> I was going to use the word glean from this for us as we look at this. But I just want to share with you what hit me. God's sovereign plans will be accomplished. Even when best intentions are more man than God, God's plans will still be accomplished. In fact, even when man's intentions are foul, God will accomplish His purpose. And so when we read Romans 8.28, this could be tacked in here at this point, we know for those who love God, all things work together for, God, for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. The children of God, all things work to our good and to the purpose of God. And, and so, uh, I believe that Naomi sincerely was wanting to take care of Ruth. Period. Her plan. We, had, we see nowhere that she uh, said, Lord, what can I do or what shall I do for Ruth? She was, I believe, working out on her own matchmaking road, if you will, to get Ruth and Boaz together. But God still used it. You see, the lineage of Christ was at stake here. And God's not going to let anything come and disrupt that. Elimelech blew it by going to Moab. His sons blew it by marrying Moabite women. Naomi sticks her finger in this, in a sense, to stir it up by being a matchmaker. It could have come back very wrong, very negative. She didn't do it for the good of of God's purpose. She did it for Ruth. And with good intention at this point, nothing malicious, but she did it to, to, to you know, her, her way, her plan. And still God took all of this 
and used it. And the reason why this is so important to me is, is that I, I get that I, I want you to get that picture that everything that happens to the children of God, whether it's whether we're, we hit the mark or miss the mark, whether we are right on target and, and we're glorifying God or when we miss the target and sin, God is not going to let anything in our lives go to waste. The lineage of Christ in this case was at stake. So even though Amimelech blew it, even though the boys blew it, and, and even though it brings Mo, uh, uh, Ruth into the picture, marrying, uh, ultimately we'll see in chapter 4, marrying, oops, disclaimer, uh, marrying uh, Boaz, that, that uh, God is going to put this together in such a way that He's going to use it for His purpose and to accomplish His purpose. At the last few verses of chapter 4 of Ruth, read, Now these are the generations of Perez. Perez fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Ram. Ram fathered Amminadab. Amminadab fathered Neshon. Neshon fathered Salmon. Salmon fathered Boaz. Boaz fathered Obed. Obed fathered Jesse. And Jesse fathered David. The reality was that Christ's lineage, in order to claim the throne of David, had to come through David. He had to be of the line of David. And we see now that this is previous to, you know, this is taking us up to David. That makes this Christ's lineage as well. God protected it. Even when man gets in and tries to do his own thing, uh, even for the right purposes, sometimes we do the wrong things. and, And God will not let anything go to waste. He brings it back around for us. Let's close with a word of prayer. Father, we thank You. We worship You. We thank You we can come to Your Word. We ask that You go with us in Jesus' name. Amen.